0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Strive Sanctum Podcast. My name is Citizen Strive, and this week, we're diving back into anime with, uh, what I would call an underrated show. Not too many people talk about it anymore. I don't even know if people talked about it when it came out. Um, you know, not like, say, Big O or the upcoming, you know, Cowboy Bebop sort of thing where everybody knows about it as far as anime goes, um... The show in question is Heat Guy J. The show debuted in 2003 on MTV2, of all stations. Now, for those who didn't have, you know, before we had streaming services and, you know, we had DVDs and, you know, VHSs and things. But you remember uh, when I talked about Big Ill, I had a big, big just pile of VHS tapes. And when I would get into anime, I would tape whether it be super late at night or in the weekends, things that I would watch. Um, and there were channels that were devoted to anime that weren't Cartoon Network. Now, Toonami had the lion's share, of course, because Toonami, Adult Swim, and stuff like that. But other channels got in on it. I know G4 was one of the main hubs for that sort of thing. Uh, you know, G4 Tech TV, they had uh, Rosafon, which was a EVA knockoff, a pretty good one, and I'll talk about it eventually um they had magical shopping arcade a, 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 Abinobashi, i never get that pronunciation right and then there were others of all stations to pick up anime though i, I was kind of shocked one day when i saw a mtv2 on the weekends like early morning or like late at night or whatever would be playing the first season of this show and i loved this it's not the most amazing thing, but for the time, it was a 2000, you know, early to mid 2000s. So <clears throat> this was when they started doing CG a lot. And, you know, because I would say from like right at the tail end of 2000, Japan started to do a lot of like CG animation. They would still do hand-drawn, and I don't know if this show was purely hand-drawn, pure you know, purely CG. I don't think it was pure CG, though. It sure felt like a lot of CG. It almost reminded me of the 90s Spider-Man, though, you know, way more in integral use of CG, because Spider-Man would only like use for the the you know the moving, you know, the spider sense sequences the battle sequences it would be obvious cg right that sort of thing where everything else was hand-drawn but then everything you know the you would know it right away when you see it when it was cg this was a little more sophisticated because this came about 10 years later so there's kind of a mix of hand-drawn and just cg but even like cg scanning like maybe just use of cg to get all of the characters in view outside of just oh here's the android here's the here's the motorbike here's all the action sequences here's the obvious cg for these amazing beautiful skyscape you know sky landscapes and stuff um but that was the thing that i also remembered but i i think what really got me was this was around again around the time like two or three years into my anime fix you know fixation and. You know, crime, you know, crime dramas and such weren't really my thing back then. I would just watch whatever was watching. I'd say Big O was one of the few that was doing that. Black Lagoon wasn't really a thing yet. Gangsta sure as hell wasn't, because that was like 2014, right? But things like Gungrave, Big O, Cowboy Bebop, which I ended up watching after this. You know, but it's its own thing because it's like a crime drama, you know, good cop, bad cop thing. But the hook of this show is that the main cop is a a human and then his partner is an android. And that was freaking cool just seeing this giant burly Terminator as a crime-solving, just kick-ass android and... I think the show suffers a little bit in how it tells that sort of story because the presentation of the visual design, despite how gorgeous it looks, and even now, you know, 20 years later, it's still very good to look at. The character models have just the, the big, big anime eye look and distinctive faces, but they look very expressive. The issue is that because they do that... Um, The show kind of suffers and stumbles when it comes to telling how dark and dystopic the the crime drama stuff is. Because there is a lot of it in there. And the dialogue is written and acted very well. But again, I do think that, as I will go over, there's a bit of a disconnect with some of it. And it doesn't add up to a completely amazing show. But it will, I'd say if people do watch it, it's still on Funimation as they have the license, it's worth a watch, I think. And I will start by discussing the uh, characters. Because there are a lot of them, and most of them are really good, actually. Uh, We'll start with the main character. His name is Daisuke Aurora. He was voiced in the English version by Steve Staley, who I knew him mostly from Star Ocean 3 as the main character, Fate Line God. Um, He was... You know, the the sort of like goofy surfer dude kind of voice, you that know, like doesn't take things too seriously. But, you know, he has like, you know, he can handle himself. That's the kind of person that Daisuke and the actor were. So they kind of fit together. And Daisuke's whole thing is he is part of the public safety division. And think of it almost like a minority report kind of thing, wasn't that? I don't think I ever saw a minority report, but the, but, the, but the hook with that was they would investigate signs of crimes before future ones got committed. So if a crime got committed, they would be brought in as a special like sort of assassin, sort of detective, sort of private investigations unit in a branch of government. That was loosely affiliated with the police, not always affiliated. They were their own separate thing. But that allows them to have maneuverability. And Daisuke, as a character, is like, I don't know, I'm too old for this shit. You know, which he's not. He's just the 20, 25 year old slacker dude type. But that's how he processes life. And that's which belies the fact that he's very well trained. And, he, you know, he's got, like, great martial arts skills. He's good with a gun, so he's good with all that stuff. And he's flanked by his partner, Jay, voiced by Bob Pappenbrook, who was... Oh, God, he was in uh, Great Teacher Onizuka as the principal. Oh, God, when I get to GTO, that will be a conversation. But, yeah, so they picked an older guy to voice the android. So, again, think of a Terminator-type Um, and again, think of just very stiff, but the way that he bounces off of Daisuke, who is just this slacker dude type, but he's almost philosophical. He was programmed to respond. He was programmed to interact with Daisuke and to other people on his own. So this is sort of advanced sci-fi kind of thing, um more of the Terminator 2-esque banter between, you know, back and forth. But Jay never comes across as the doofus because Daisuke does that for him. And you have that benefit of anything that Daisuke can't really do. You just have Jay punch a dude or look up something on his database or something like that. So they work together as man and machine. Yeah, that's a trope, but it works in the show. And it's really what keeps it going. So their job is to investigate crimes and solve them, mostly involving heavy machinery so Jay could punch a lot of things. Um, the next character is Kyoko Milchan, voiced by Carrie Walgren, who, God, when that, when that came out, she was in like four or five shows back then and doing all these different voices back then, but she was Haruko from Fully Coolie. She was in Wolf's Reign as one of the main characters. She was Kyoko in this. She's been in Zeno Saga. She's been in God knows how much stuff. And she was even, uh, the character I forgot just now was uh, Witch Hunter Robin. She was Robin in Witch Hunter Robin, that uh, horror show from around the same time frame um, about a witch. And she all pl- she always played different character voices in this. She's just the prissy, like, you guys are such idiots you know, that prissy type of person, you know, so Kyoko comes across as, I'm just trying to do my job, and you guys are idiots, we don't have any money for these missions, but you keep screwing the shit up, so Kyoko sort of has a thing for Daisuke, even though she doesn't want to, you know, that kind of thing, so she has a thing for his brother, too, (laughs) so she likes his brother, but there's a love triangle there, and they play off it. They don't, like, force the issue until later into the show, so it's not, like, a big deal. But Kyoko gets her moments. Um, again, the, the humor in the show is a bit stiff, so don't expect her to be... She's mostly the butt of a joke, but she'll have her moments where she's not so stupid. Um, like I mentioned... Daisuke has a brother, and if he's the if Daisuke is the slacker, then Shun Aurora is the I am too serious for this shit job because he's the successful one. He runs the city safety management agency, and uh, Shun is voiced by Lex Lang, who was in uh, Rurouni Kenshin. I forget. Oh, God, I should know this because I saw Rurouni Kenshin. He's the character in the white outfit with the giant fucking sword thing like the secondary main awesome dude other than uh other than Kenshin himself I, I should know the name off the top of my head that shows you what I don't remember um but yeah if you ever saw Roni Kenshin you've heard Lex Lang's voice but he was in stuff like Dot .hack and whatever so I know Lex as well and again you have the super slacker brother you have the super serious brother and Shun is like way taller way more intimidating sits behind a desk but kicks the shit out of Daisuke to keep him in line, because why not? So there's a bit of a bickering back and forth. Uh, his secretary is awesome, too. Her name is uh, Fia, uh, P-H-I-A, if I remember right. She's voiced by Karen Strassman, who uh, Karen went on to do, oh God, Igus from Persona 3, Nanako for Persona 4, uh, Fee from Virtue's Last Reward. I mean... I could like name countless shows in the last twenty years. She's probably been in them. But yeah. Fia doesn't do a whole lot, but she's there just to act as a counterbalance to all the you know the brotherly mistrust bullshit and just laugh the entire time. And she actually gets a little bit more into the second season. I'm trying not to spoil the show, um, unless I really, really need to, because sometimes I do sometimes I dive heavy into spoilers. Sometimes I try to avoid them. Uh, this is one of those where you don't really need the spoilers for the end of the, like, mostly the end of the show, but there's not a whole bunch to worry about. But basically Fee or Fia, and Shun are dealing with Daisuke's bullshit all the time, but they also control the safety management agency so they know that they could just flip on a switch and Jay goes nowhere and then Daisuke is left to his own devices. Uh, which can happen. Um... So, as far as villains go, and we'll get back to minor characters in a minute, but the main character, as far as the villains go, is Claire Leonelli, voiced by Johnny Young Bosch. Hello, Vash the Stampede. How you doing? Uh, Vash the Stampede, Kiba from Wolf's Reign. Wasn't he the Black Ranger from Power Rangers? You've probably heard Johnny Young Bosch's voice in any video game or any anime from the last 20 years. I probably don't need to say anymore. This show, he plays a complete nutball. Um, this spoiled rich kid of a mob boss's son. That's basically what Johnny Young Bosch has to do in this in this show. and he laughs his ass off. It gets so it gets, um, I like it, but it gets a bit much because that's what he does. But at the same time, when he wants to, Claire will beat the shit out of other mob bosses. He will <laughs> pull a gun on people. So his role is to uh, run Company Vita. That's the like official name of the mob. His his title is a vampire. And he, like I said, he was born into this. So think spoiled rich kid of Dracula's son. I mean, they're not vampires, but that's the technical term for the mob boss of all mob bosses in the city of judo and yeah he is interesting he has an interesting way of processing it he has no concept of like people and doesn't want any he runs people. He will use people. He will beat the shit out of people, or he will find somebody to do it for him. So yeah, that's pretty much why that would be a, why that would be a threat. And he owns the most money in the in the city. So yeah, that's problematic. So he's always at Dicey and Jay's throats trying to do stuff in the show. And, and you know, there are other interesting characters. So Daisuke, without like going into super specifics like the others, but you've got the main characters, but Daisuke's main thing is he always has informants, whether it's uh, street vendors or people that created Jay, um, people he knew that are part of an underground mob that aren't affiliated with Company Vita, you know, police officers, that sort of thing. So there's always that interplay of all this stuff going on that Daisuke can you know, pull from and get all this information for each case. And that's the benefit of this kind of show is that there's a lot of different things you can do. And a lot of them either revolve around gun trafficking or fucking with a lot of money or drug use. And you know, the, 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 the mob staples, right? Any CDS show you can think of probably has had this sort of setup and the nice thing is that Judo the city itself is very beautiful and it looks breathtaking, but when it needs to, it can get this like cool like they have changed the color scheme it's like from super blues and grays to the normal city to like dark greens and reds and to kind of denote like the darker seer parts of the of the world like one of the coolest parts was an episode where one of the you know side characters finds Claire Leonelli in his casino, and they full on show off this casino. but the game like they're betting on a roulette game, but the roulette game is a game of Russian roulette, so Claire, being an idiot, decides to take up this mystery man on his offer of hey why are you the guy not getting shot after five or six different times? Why are you winning all these? Are you just lucky or dumb? You know, so they they they, they give you this, like, half episode of this casino with all these, like, betters and mob bosses and shit, and they're just... I don't think they're super, like, crazy with it, but think of Persona 3, where they're holding guns to their heads, and you know that something bad could happen. So, even though... I feel that the show is a bit stiff. It still has a lot of like crazy cool things that happen in it. And a lot of it tend to revolve around those like mystery mob connections and shit that happens to all the criminals. Because, um, I mean, the main characters are fine, but you're only as good as the villainous side of the of the campaign, pretty much. Um, the other big deal is how Jay and Daisuke get along. Jay exists because of something known as the Android uh, regulation law, which says that androids cannot be in the city or if they are, they have to be specially designated as such. Jay is one of those designations. they have these episodes where this one's an illegal this one was brought in to be sold. This one is like fucking with Jay somehow, so Jay has a lot of like political and media backlash against him, that sort of thing, so they play up how you deal with basically the Terminator in this society and how he doesn't just go on a rampage. So th- there's a lot that they dig into, and I appreciate that they did that because considering he's the secondary main character, you can't like avoid that sort of thing. But they also don't obsess over it. The main draw is the is the criminal side of things, checking out all these cases that they go on. I mean, none of them are like super mysterious things. I think in the later part of the uh, series, it's only like 26 episodes. Like they get into the, uh, like a, uh, a season-long storyline, but others are like self-contained crime episodes. So it's really easy to get into and accessible. Like I said before, the, even 20 years on, I think this show is very good. Gorgeous for its time with the use of CG and character modeling. Like, you know that crazy anime googly eyes look, right? But even then, even by those standards, you're like, these people are just, they almost look like dolls. But not in such a super creepy way that they don't look like characters. But sometimes you watch a show in an anime and it feels like even though they have good character models or good design, their character facials and stuff don't really have a lot of definition to them. This is a bit more hyper-realistic, and even though, like, I'd say the noses are a bit off-putting, it's like the facial features in the characters are just like in your face. So I think there's like a big CG component to that, too, making them look really good. Or it was just how they designed the characters initially and transferred them to the anime and made it fit with the the CG design of the city. Of because the city... Cause the city looks amazing they always have these backdrops of the main hub this skyscraper looking building and it just looks fantastic or they'll have these like crazy parades or um a lot of people walking around and it re- i mean it looks really good for the time it does not have the the polish that a you know a more recent show would because it looks a lot slower paced and that. Again, gets to its detriment, but as far as designs go, it's still something that carries its own weight. Um, I, I do think, though, that because of that design, and I'll get to the negatives now. The crime drama stuff, the crime action stuff, leaves a lot to be desired because it doesn't feel like it's like those. Issues that people have with, like, a Terminator movie or a Spawn movie or a Deadpool movie being turned PG 13. It's that sort of like, this could be a lot darker and just, dis- you know, disturbing than it actually is because we're not seeing everything. It's like a PG 13 crime thriller anime. That does not mean it's. Uh, bad it just means that for how well written and discussed all this crime stuff is and they go pretty pretty intriguing with it, it feels like the impact is lost because they don't like go the whole way. Like if you watch Cowboy Bebop now, it's very like grungy and dirty and bleh, despite all the space stuff. If you watch Black Lagoon, they have no reservations about, like, all the blood, all the swearing, all the violence, all the just seedy bullshit and all the just bleh that you'd expect. And Gangsta is kind of the same way. This is a sanitized crime thrower kind of thing. So almost kind of like those procedural, like, law and order kinds of things, but with a more mob-esque vibe I can't just like I'm trying to describe it without and like making it sound like it's a bad thing um because it is written and performed very well and I I like going back and watching it but I can't like disconnect myself from thinking this could be a lot like darker than it should be but again it also doesn't like pitfall because of that because there are some that focus solely on that aspect and forget to actually write themselves very well um I also feel that despite that there being like, you have your first season, which is very episodic, and then you have a second like half season, the the next 13 episodes where there's a storyline that is progressing despite each episode, it doesn't feel like the ending adds up because it feels like there was an episode missing that connected the dots that I needed to, to where even though you talked about this seed being planted and finally coming to fruition right near the end, it felt like they needed like a three-parter finale. They they went for a two-part finale and it's fine, I suppose, but, again, it feels a bit rushed for what they were going for. They still had the mystery, but I think they spent a little too much time trying to get like a band together kind of vibe. Like we need to band together to stop whatever's gonna happen because Daisuke seems to know what's going on and Jay seems to know what's going on, but like they focus on the characters. So if you like focusing on character-driven stories, that's pretty nice, but it also feels like a bit of a, Disconnect from we have a super impactful climax that could have taken three episodes or at least really capped off what we were going for in that second part of the season. They do allude to everything though, so it's not like it comes out of thin air. There are some times when you're pulling a game or watching a TV show or whatever where a plot twist comes out of nowhere and then they try to disc, you know, like they try to do it, or they do the horror thing where they show you this mystery and it doesn't happen, and you're like, then they finally tell you and it just feels kind of deflating. This is more of a middle ground where they could have done more and they also could have fucked it up. As it is. I think the show is fine, and I think people are going to have a good time. You know, this is one of those things where nobody really talks about this show, and it kind of sucks because I do enjoy it. It's not anything nobody's ever seen before, but it's done well enough that you can just set yourself and be like, oh. I could get into this. I think I could enjoy this. And this is one of those ones that I always go back to at least once a year and remind myself that, yeah, back then, we didn't have all the anime choices in the world. We just sat there in front of a TV and... Oh hey look, this stuff from this different culture is here. Like oh shit, they have anime on this channel. Oh shit, it's G4 at midnight, and um, you know, I'm not watching Toonami or Adult Swim. Let's see what's on G4 this week. You know that sort of thing. So you had different channels. You couldn't just be like, nah, I'm done. Nah, I'm done. Nah, I'm done. You flip through channels and holy shit, something. You know and. Not every time were was I graced with a great one, but I think this one holds up decently. well, because it gives you something familiar. It gives you that crime drama vibe, and it gives you that oh, we've got a Terminator on our side. That's kind of neat. you know, so it, it's a good looking polished show. It has a little bit of intrigue to it. so it's not gonna ruin your day. and and I think, It should get more respect than it does, and hopefully, you know, people are at least interested to watch it on Funimation, because that's where you can find it. And, uh, you know, it it will take you back to, uh, you know, 20 years back in time, if nothing else. So, I think people would enjoy it. But that should do it for me. I think this was a bit of a shorter episode, and that's perfectly fine. We're going to have these once in a while. Um, But yes, this is all in service to what's coming up next because next week will be Xenoblade Chronicles 2 Uh, I will not have Torna the Golden Country I will focus mostly on the original game and all of the things in between because it's just I mean there's too much stuff in Xenoblade 2 on it's own that maybe someday I'll go back and watch or play the Golden Country and get that in there as it's own separate supplemental thing but that'll be next week Two weeks from today, it will be Cowboy Bebop. I'm working my way through Cells at Work, which is another show I want to review. It's pretty good. Um, But Bebop is the, oh my God, I got to watch it again because I'm going to have a double dose. It's going to be the anime, which I won't shut up about because I might talk about that for hours if I'm being honest. And then maybe even the day I finish freaking binge watching it, I will finish the uh, Netflix live-action version. And again, I'm trying to keep my mind open. I have no knowledge of any of the actors, any of the visuals. I know some of the stuff that was posted, but I haven't actually looked at it. I'm trying to come into this as completely open as I can with the understanding that I might hate this show. But hey, I might end up really enjoying it, like we all could. But after that, we get back into video games, and I'm going to talk about Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. Uh, I've been working through uh, YouTube watch-throughs of the other couple of games, but I really wanted to start with the original again, so I'm going to double back and re-watch footage of that, because I streamed it a couple years ago and forgot kind of the minutiae of each case. So I do want to go into that with a fresher perspective than i would if i was to do it in a month from now so i will get that done and i will have a probably a lot to say about phoenix right and hopefully people enjoy it but again if anybody enjoys these i'm grateful if anybody even clicks on them for a second I'm grateful because it means that something I'm doing matters to people. And I've said this over and over, but I think the more that I do it, the more I really feel that I'm giving people something else, something other than a video game to talk about, you know, or talking about a video game in a different way. And I think it's fun because I don't really get to do these sorts of things when I'm on a stream or I'm playing the game in a YouTube space. I get to dig deeper At least a little bit. And sometimes maybe not without, you know, spoiling. But again, I think not spoiling a thing is a good thing sometimes. And have everybody make their own opinions on what they see. But if I can do anything in recommending shows or recommending games to people, then I feel like I'm doing something useful. But that will do it for me today. And I will see you guys next time. Citizen Strife, signing off.